If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. You can also find the words printed in your bulletin, 2 Kings 6, verses 1 through 7. Our text this morning is uh, maybe not a very familiar one, uh, but that's okay. Uh, but as I read this passage for us, I want to encourage you to listen uh, for how God provides in this passage. Before I read these verses, let me pray and ask for the Lord's blessing on the reading and preaching of His holy word. Gracious God, You have told us that man does not live by bread alone by every word that comes from your mouth. Lord, would you open our eyes to see wondrous things in your word. Speak, Lord, for your servants listen. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 1. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they were cutting down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe had fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. My grandfather on my mother's side, the one who was here at my installation service just over a year ago, if you were here for that and remember him, he loves to tell the story of Poppy, my great-grandfather. Poppy was a wealthy businessman back in the early 20th century and did extremely well financially, but then lost almost all he had when the stock market collapsed back in 1929. As a result, his family, like so many at that time, went through a challenging time financially, not knowing they were going to make ends meet. A couple years later, Poppy felt called to ministry and so enrolled in seminary. And time was still tough, given that money was going to pay for tuition. And on one Sunday evening, family found themselves without any food at all in the house. As they were getting ready to go to church, Poppy noticed a sign a plaque on the wall which read, Jesus never fails. And in a moment of doubt and discouragement and despair, Poppy took that plaque, flipped it around, and walked out the door. Felt like Jesus had indeed failed, and that God wasn't really going to provide for them. I think you and I are prone to think, feel, and act like my great-grandfather, at least from time to time. We forget how God has provided in the past, and we doubt that He's going to provide for us now and in the future. I think that's especially true with all that this year has held. In the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of challenging times for this church and so many others, in the midst of us seeing some of the beloved saints of the Lord be called home to glory, 
seeing folks get sick with the coronavirus and other things. It's been a hard year. So we're prone to doubt God's provision and forget about how He's provided in the past. Yet thankfully God in His grace gives us many examples of His faithful provision in His Word. And that's exactly what we find here in this short passage in the book of 2 Kings. Because God is the creator and sustainer of all, we can find great hope in His faithful provision. In order for us to see this this morning from our text, I want us to notice three truths about God's provision that this text teaches us. First, God provides for the seemingly insignificant. Secondly, God provides in the seemingly insignificant. And third, God provides through the seemingly insignificant. God provides for, in, and through the seemingly insignificant. At first glance, this text might not stand out as that important of a passage. I don't know when the last time you've read through the book of 2 Kings is, but for many of us, myself included, it's been a while. Now, I doubt that many of us come to this and think, oh, well, that didn't happen. There's no way an axe head could float. No, we believe that miracles happen. If Jesus, or if God can raise Jesus from the dead, then certainly he can cause an axe head to float. Yet what I think might plague us instead is a struggle with how this is relevant to us here in 2020. It's tempting to read a passage like this and think, oh, cool, an axe head floated. And then move on and go on with our life and and jump to something like John 3.16 that maybe we resonate with more. Yet if we stop and examine the details of this passage, we'll see that it's extremely relevant here some several thousand years after the events. And so this seemingly insignificant passage first teaches us that God provides for the seemingly insignificant you have your Bible or your bulletin, look with back of me at verse 1. It says, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Who are these sons of the prophets? Well, we don't know a lot about them, but in 2 Kings, they're a group of young men who end up following Elisha around from place to place, watching how he does ministry, doing miracles, and proclaiming God's word. So they're like prophets in training. You could think of them as Old Testament seminary students. So this reminds us that they're not the spiritual giants of the Old Testament. They're not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Daniel, those men that we think, oh, wow, those are the real heroes. Just ordinary people. And they've grown in number, and now they need more dorm rooms. Moreover, if you look at verse 3, it says, And one of them said, and then down in verse 5 it says, But as one was felling a log. You see, these men are so insignificant that the Bible doesn't even record for us their names. Yet, God provides. Brothers and sisters, do you ever feel insignificant? In a world of over 7 billion people, it's easy to feel like we're just another number, another person, and we don't really matter that much. I feel like we've just kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. 
We can also feel insignificant in the kingdom of God. I mean, we're not the Apostle Paul or Martin Luther or John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, Billy Graham, those big heroes of the faith. We can think that we don't matter that much. There's little old us in the situations we're in, and God couldn't possibly care about us here in Rock Hill at the end of 2020. Because we often feel insignificant, we're prone to forget about and doubt God's provision. This passage reminds us that God does, in fact, care about us, and He does, in fact, provide for us. He cares about those of us who seem insignificant. God knows us as little as we might feel, and He cares about us. Don't ever let the devil convince you of the lie that God won't provide for you because you are, quote, insignificant. God delights in providing for his people, all of us. This passage makes that clear. God provides for the seemingly insignificant. Yet not only does he provide for them, but he also provides in the seemingly insignificant. That is to say, God provides in those situations in life that don't seem like they're that big of a deal. The day in, day out, mundane of life, God provides. If we look at the context of this passage, we realize that it's sandwiched between two big situations in which God provides in very big ways. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we encounter a man named Naaman, who the text tells us has leprosy. If you know anything about leprosy, you know that's very serious and that will eventually lead to you losing feeling in parts of your body and you'll eventually die. Naaman, being a man from Syria, learns of the God of Israel and the prophet Elisha, and so he goes and through uh, a kind of strange events that he's told to, to wash in the Jordan River is healed of his leprosy. And yet the significance of this passage is magnified when we realize the geopolitical significance because it tells us he was the commander of the army of Syria. So he's a big deal in a powerful country with a big sickness, and God provides. And then right after our text in 2 Kings 6, we find God's people at war with Syria. And things seem pretty bleak for God's people 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 15, we read this. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God's people were surrounded by the enemy, yet God provided through an army of horses and chariots of fire, an angelic host. It's a pretty big situation, and God provides in a big way. In the light of these two passages, an axe head doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And in some ways, it's not. I mean, it only affects this one guy, or at most, the group, the sons of the prophets. But that doesn't matter to God. He provides for this one man in a seemingly insignificant situation. 
through the prophet Elisha, God causes this axe head to float. God delights in providing even in the seemingly insignificant situations of life. And friends, that's good news for us. We can find great comfort in knowing that God provides even in those little situations in life and the big ones. All of our life's circumstances. You and I have all sorts of things that may seem insignificant to us or may seem insignificant to others. We need God to provide. We need to remember that just because God is great and powerful doesn't mean He won't provide for us. He's not too big for us in our situations. God is not like a CEO who only has time for the most important people in the company or in other businesses. No, God has time for all of us. He's not distracted by more important things. No, He cares about the small things, the minute details of our life, those small situations where we need some help. Friends, the hairs on your head are numbered. God cares about your axe head. So what is your axe head? What is that seemingly insignificant situation in your life that you know you need God's help? Maybe it's a situation at work. or Something going on with a family member. Maybe it's a minor health concern for you or someone else. Maybe it's simply your emotional state at the end of this year as a result of this pandemic, what people have now called pandemic fatigue. God cares about your axe head, whatever it might be. Another question to ask is, what are you doing with your axe head? What does this man do? In verse 5, it says that he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. And then he shows Elisha where the axe head went into the water. You see, this man didn't keep his situation to himself and think, all right, how am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? No, he makes it known to Elisha, but ultimately to God, seeking God's help. Are you crying out to God about your axe head? Or have you believed the lie that God has more important things to deal with? You know, as a pastor, oftentimes people will share something that's going on in their life, and, and I'll listen and then say, well, let me pray about that. And they'll say, no, 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 no. There's other people with worse things going on. Spend your time praying for them. Don't, don't worry about what I have going on. It's just small. You don't, don't bother praying for that. Friends, the God we serve isn't bound by time and space. He can handle more than one situation. He can handle more than one prayer request. doesn't matter how small we think it might be. We need to make it known to God. God's not too busy for you. Bring your axe head to Him. God provides in the seemingly insignificant situations of life. Yet the reality about these is that they're actually a bigger deal, at least they are to us. At first glance, we might miss the significance of the situation for this young prophet. We might think, well, why doesn't he just go down to the Israelite Home Depot or Lowe's and buy another axe head? It's not that big of a deal. Well, it wasn't that easy. As verse 6 tells us, the axe head was made of iron. Why does that matter? 
Iron was a rare commodity in Israel at that time. 1 Samuel 13 tells us that the Philistines had a monopoly on iron, which means iron would have been very, very expensive at that time. This man, being a prophet in training, a seminary student, didn't have a lot of money. If you think back to when you were in college or graduate school, you remember when things were tight, didn't have that much money. This man did not have enough money to own his own axe head, and so certainly he would not have had money to replace it. When it flew into the river, he found himself in a difficult situation. It was as if he had wrecked a borrowed car. So what would he do? More than likely, his only solution to his problem would have been to indenture himself as a servant for who knows how long to pay off his debt. So therefore, upon closer study, we realize that what on the surface seemed like a small thing, an axe head, is actually a big deal, and God providing for him probably saved him from being a servant for a year, a couple years, who knows how long to pay off the debt. Y'all, often our situations that seem insignificant on the surface or are insignificant to others are actually a big deal. Maybe it's the death of a pet or someone that you weren't that close to but still is, is hit home. Maybe it's the death of a loved one years ago that people think you just somehow need to move on. But yet it still hurts and the holidays have been especially difficult grieving the loss of that person. Maybe it's something with your health. Maybe it's a conflict in your marriage or with someone else that started small but has now grown. We all have tough situations in our lives. As one of my former pastors used to say, there's pain in every pew. There's challenges that we all face. Yeah, they may not be as big as somebody else's, but it doesn't mean they don't matter. God cares about those situations. God provides for us in all the situations in life, the biggest, the smallest, and everything in between. In the story I opened with about Poppy, God provided. When he and his family came home from church, they came home to cupboards filled with food and to a refrigerator that was replenished with milk and other things. You see, God laid it upon somebody's heart to provide groceries for this family. They didn't know who. They never found out who it was. Yet God provided for them in their time of need. So we've seen that God provides for the seemingly insignificant, in the seemingly insignificant, and now lastly, God provides through the seemingly insignificant. We see this in a couple places in our passage. First, in verse 3, we read this, the, Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. This young man asked a, a relatively small question of Elisha. He said, Hey, come with us when we go down to the Jordan River to chop down trees and build our dorm rooms. And Elisha says, Okay, yeah, I'll tag along. I don't have anything else going on today. But he didn't know, this young man, nor did Elisha, that an axe head was going to fall into the river and that God would use him to cause it to float. But God did. God ordered the circumstances so that Elisha would be there and to be used by him to cause the axe head to float. 
God provides for us in similar ways. He works in the details of our life to accomplish His good purposes. Sometimes it's insignificant things that bring about what we need. The church where I was before this in Gastonia, there's a guy that worked for the postal service, and one day he was driving the mail truck, and he had a seizure or blacked out or something and ended up wrecking uh, the mail truck. Well, as the protocol was in the, the department, it was he needed to have some tests run and go to the doctors, and after several tests run, they discovered that he had lung cancer, completely unrelated to the cause of, of his seizure or blackout event, but yet they found this cancer. If you know anything about lung cancer, you know that often it goes undetected until it's late in the stages, and often there's not anything that can be done. Yet by God's grace, it was discovered early and treated, and he's now beaten that cancer, living cancer-free. It's not a fun event, wrecking a mail truck, but yet that's what God used to show that there was something bigger going on. Maybe God's done something similar for you. Maybe He's ordered your circumstances that you weren't somewhere where you thought you might be and avoided a potential dangerous thing that might have happened. God also provides through the seemingly insignificant in this passage by what Elisha does. How does the axe head float? Cuts off a branch from a tree and throws it in the water. What's so special about that stick? Was it a magic stick? Certainly not, for we don't believe in magic. No, it's just an ordinary stick they cut off from a tree, yet that's what God used to cause an axe head to float. God can and does similar things for us. He uses what looks like the insignificant to meet our needs. Maybe it's a small word of encouragement from a friend or co-worker. Maybe it's a warm, sunny day or a good meal that just encourages you, reminds you that God's good. Maybe it's time with some family or a thoughtful gift that someone gives. God uses these seemingly insignificant things to provide for us. And this reminds us that God not only provides for us, but He also uses us to accomplish His provision for other people. God doesn't need us, but He delights in using us. And He often uses us through our prayer. On the surface, prayer can seem insignificant. Sometimes people say, maybe you've thought, well, I feel bad because the only thing I can do is pray. Really? The only thing we can do? Commenting on prayer, pastor and author A.C. Dixon says, when we rely upon organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely upon education, we get what education can do. When we rely upon eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. And so on. But when we rely upon prayer, we get what God can do. You see, prayer isn't an insignificant thing. No, it's calling out to the king of the universe to do what only he can do. So let's not despise what seems insignificant, at least to the world. God uses it to accomplish his good purposes. God delights in providing for the seemingly insignificant in the seemingly insignificant and through the seemingly insignificant. You know, the reality of these truths are most clearly seen in the person and work of Jesus. 
couple days ago, we celebrated the birth of Jesus. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. A small town. Laid in a manger. Surrounded by animals. Not the place you expect a king to be born. Taking it a step further, think about the cross. To the outside world, the cross seems insignificant. It's an instrument of death for criminals. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. While the cross may seem insignificant to a lost and dying world, it is what God chose to use to provide for your and my greatest need. You see, our debt to God is infinitely greater than the would-be debt of this silent prophet Jerusalem and Matthew. Our debt because of our sin is infinite before a holy God. And if God sent Jesus to the cross to pay our sin, to take care of our greatest need. At the cross, Jesus paid our debt, bringing us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Thank you. 